restoring rights, absentee voting, and model policies for K-12 schools. All of this is happening here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's Stay the Warner. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. Stay tuned as we discuss what's happening here in the Commonwealth this week. Welcome back in Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. We're so glad that you're joining us here on this beautiful Sunday in Hampton Roads as we broadcast always from the campus of the Norfolk State University, home of the Spartan Nation, from none other than WNSB, Hot 91, the soul of VA. We thank you for joining us as we continue to bring movers, shakers, and policymakers to you to discuss issues important to the community an important initiative of the Center for African-American Public Policy here at Norfolk State University. we also like to thank our producer, who keep us right and tight on the wheels of steel, Marvin Folks, also known as DJ Scandalous, which you can hear every day, Monday through Friday, from 2 to 6 p.m. on Saturdays. And yes, the hardest working man in radio here on Sunday with us. As always, we couldn't do what we do without your support. The listeners, thank you for supporting us as we continue to delve into these very important issues and bring information important to you. So let's get right into it. In this segment of Save the Water, I like to just kind of take a view of what's happening here in the Commonwealth. You know, you know my thoughts on the Commonwealth of Virginia. I think it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest state in, in the Union. A lot of history here. A lot of great things happening, the, the, the diverse, not just demographics, but the, also the diverse landscapes, the diverse history, where it all started, our proximity to D.C., the center of power here in the world. But not only that, but our politics is just as exciting. You know, we say here we have an important election every year, and it's true. What we do here matters. So make sure that you are out registering to vote if you're not registered to vote, because in November we have a, a general election that's going to take place where we elect or reelect all 140 seats of the General Assembly. So make sure that if you're not re- registered to vote, go out and get registered to vote. You know, speaking of voting, voting is so important, not just to those that vote, but also it means a lot to the legacy of those that fought bled and died for our right to vote here in this country. You know, one thing about voting is so important that under the last two governors, and of course this is a policy that was that was fought for uh, many years, but under the last two governors before Governor Yonkin, um, former convicted felons who served their time automatically got their right to vote back. It was basically called restoring voting rights for felons. And with this, that helped to increase not just the voting pool, but also the community. Because you feel like you belong when you have a job, when you're contributing to the community, contributing to your family, contributing to yourself first, educationally, uh, economically, but also contributing to the policies and the lawmaking of our commonwealth, your community, and also the country. So restoring your right to vote is a very important aspect of getting out and becoming productive in today's society. Well, this past week, July 17th, the AP reported that Virginia governor, Governor Yonkin, 
weighs circumstances of crimes in deciding on restoring felons' voting rights. According to the AP, as Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin weighs whether to restore the civil rights of convicted felons who have served their time, he is considering at least some of the circumstances of their crimes, his administration said Monday in a letter to the state NAACP. As a matter of fact, the Republican governor, according to the AP, is, quote, less likely to quickly restore the voting rights of anyone who used a firearm in a commission of a crime, unquote, according to the Secretary of the Commonwealth, K. Cole, Cole James. She wrote to Robert Barnett, president of the NACP State, Virginia State Conference. Now, also, Yonkin will also, will also, quote, generally speaking, but not always, unquote, work to restore the voting rights of those who committed nonviolent crimes, James said in a letter, which was also attained by the AP. Now, in Virginia, a felony conviction automatically results in the loss of certain rights, such as voting, serving on a jury, running for office, or carrying a firearm. And the governor of the state, according to the AP, has the sole discretion to restore that with the exception of firearm rights, which only a court can do. Now, uh, Youngkin, he's handling of this process, has been under scrutiny, according to the AP, for several months. After his administration confirmed that it has shifted away from at least partly automatic restoration system used by his predecessors, which, of course, were two former Democratic governors. Now, of course, two lawsuits, at least two, have been filed challenging uh, what critics have called an opaque process that could result in discrimination. And last week, the AACP said documents that are obtained through public records requests, quote, reveal a lack of clear standards and timelines, unquote. That creates a confusing system rife with opportunity for discriminatory impact on black Virginians and other Virginians of color. You know, it's just something where we find where this has been a point of contention with the state legislature. Uh, of course, that was Republican controlled and dominated for a while, which is why the uh, two Democratic governors moved in order to. Uh, provide this opportunity to restore the rights of those who were convicted felons but served their time to society. But taking away, not so much taking away off the table the right to vote or the restoration of your opportunity to vote, get your voting rights back, but delaying the process, um, as the article pointed out, where it was in, there was an increasingly slow pace potentially blocking thousands of people from participating in the upcoming election. Now, according to uh, Secretary James, quote, Governor Youngkin and I both guarantee that these factors play absolutely no role in the process of the serious, serious decision that we make on behalf of returning citizens. Now, I want to point out, I pointed out earlier that we have a very important election coming up where all 140 seats are available in the state legislature. Now, if you got 140 seats, 100 in the House of Delegates, 40 in the Senate, and there is a razor-thin margin, then is this a strategy for voting, for maybe your party, or is this really a deliberative uh, process in which you are taking your time and become thoughtful uh, 
to make sure that you make the best decision possible. You know, representatives of the NACP, according to AP, uh, stated that according, well, according to the lawsuit filed last month, Virginia is the state with the fifth highest number of citizens disenfranchised for felony convictions over 312,000 people. Black Virginians make up less than 20% of the state's voting age population, but account for nearly half of all those disenfranchised due to a felony conviction, according to the lawsuit. Now, those numbers are very eye-popping. Having the fifth largest, now in the state of 50 states, plus many territories that we have, uh, in the uh, and affiliated nations that we have with the United States, we rank number five out of all of them to have the highest number of disenfranchised felony convictions. And most of them are black Americans where 20%, less than 20% make up the voting age uh, population, but are 50%, nearly half of those disenfranchised to felony convictions. So when you take a look at this and ask yourself, is it a process that is fair? Is it a process that's equitable? Is it a process that, you know, is one where it's in the best interest of the Commonwealth? You have to ask yourself, who in the Commonwealth does this benefit? Because obviously it's not benefiting those who have served their time. And those under two former governors, like themselves, had their rights restored for voting. And also, according to the AP, the Virginia NAACP on Tuesday of last week called Governor Youngkin to establish clear and publicly available criteria for restoring the voting rights of convicted felons who have served their time, saying that the system is now secretive and could discriminate against people of color. Now, also, the um, governor, of course, has come under scrutiny um, for this. Its administration confirmed really earlier this year that it shifted away from a system used by, of course, uh, three predecessors as it relates to restoring these rights. Now, in the letter, uh, President Barnett of the NACP said that he was deeply concerned about the possibility that this criteria, such as an applicant's race, voting history, or geographic location may be the determinative factor or determinative in whether their application is denied. Uh, here, uh, Tony Heath Johnson is quoted here in the AP, age 60, was released from prison late August, well, last August, after serving a two-year sentence on felony drug charges. Two weeks later, she filed an application seeking to her for her rights to be restored. But last month, when she checked the status on the state website, uh, she saw the word ineligible next to her name. Now, with this, she said that she knew that my felony conviction would get get that right to vote taken away. But before she was convicted, people were automatically getting their rights restored back. So she really didn't think uh, that it mattered. Uh, so when she basically was denied, she said, quote, I thought it was going to be a temporary thing, but obviously not. 
you know, this particular person. Johnson, she's a plaintiff in a lawsuit filed last month by the ACLU of Virginia and Protect Democracy nonprofit that focuses on voting rights, challenging the state's automatic disenfranchisement of people with felony convictions. So once again, again, these stories were printed, uh, published in the AP uh, just last week on Monday and Tuesday. So you can go back and read those. But once again, it begs the question, if this is a good decision uh, for the Commonwealth, who is it good for? Is it good for those individuals like Ms. Johnson, who saw individuals going in and into prison and coming out after serving their time and having their rights automatically restored only for her to be labeled as ineligible, but not knowing the reason why? Or is it good for individuals where voting is is very important coming up because it's going to help to decide this razor-thin margin? So therefore, not being able to vote will actually help one side and hurt the other. Whatever you believe on this issue, it's very it's it's a very important issue and is is alarming in many ways because without clear rules, without clear guidelines, no one knows where they stand. It's about communication. But these individuals are not being communicated to. So, we're going to continue to monitor this issue because voting is a major part of why we exist here in this country. It's a major part of why we do what we, why we can't do what we do. It's a major part of why people come here for freedoms, freedoms to operate, freedoms to live, freedom to say my vote, my voice counts. So where do we stand as a nation? Depends on where we stand as a commonwealth. We're, again, I believe the most important state in the Commonwealth, in the, in the nation, because of so many things. So are we going in the right direction on this? Is, is what the governor doing good for the Commonwealth? Or are we taking multiple steps back? You, you be the judge. Let us know. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. And today we're talking about what's going on in the Commonwealth. Restoration of voting rights, absentee voting, and yes, model policies for schools K through 12. So let's get to absentee voting. Now, we just talked about restoration of rights for convicted felons who have served their time. But according to Fox News, last week on Thursday, the GOP committee memo was outlines aggressive absentee early voting efforts in Virginia. The Republican Party State Leadership Committee, the RSLC, issued a memo Thursday explaining its aggressive strategy on a newly launched absentee ballot and early voting effort as Virginians prepare to vote in November general election. According to the uh, RSLC, they announced last week that it's partnering with Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's Spirit of Virginia PAC, the Republican Party of Virginia, RPV, the Virginia State Republican Caucus, VSRC, and the House Republican Campaign Committee, HRCC, to launch an effort called Secure Your Vote Virginia. Now, according to Fox News, the RSL President D. Duncan issued a memo Thursday laying out a plan 
to reach low propensity voters in an effort to keep control of the state house and chip away at the Democrats' four-seat majority in the state Senate. Quote, heading into the general election in 2023 this fall, it is our job to defend our razor-thin majority in the House of Delegates. Wow. Capitalizing on the opportunities available to us in Virginia, in the Senate, where Democrats currently hold a four-seat advantage, Duncan wrote. Quote, we need to set the bar higher and start comparing ourselves against the constellation of national liberal outside groups that drastically spend us, outspend us last cycle. Duncan said an outreach will focus on three issues they believe resonate most with Virginia voters. Education, the economy, and crime. Now, I find, I, first of all, let me say that the more people vote, the more that you operate in the democratic process is a good thing. That is a good thing. No matter what side you vote on, no matter who you cast your vote for, it is a good thing. However, I look at this article and I, I'm a bit taken back because I remember during the Northern administration, during the McCulloch administration, we're trying to get voting access, opening up access to the ballot box was very important. It was fought by the Democrats to provide early voting, no question absentee voting, to every voter in the Commonwealth. While on the other side of the aisle, the Republicans fought to the nail against it, but also fought to restrict voting. Of course, this came after um, Shelby County versus Holder, 2009's U.S. Supreme Court case which was filed and also won under the Obama administration where the court ruled that preclearance under the Voting Rights Act was no longer needed, thereby states who had traditionally discriminated against blacks and people of color from voting no longer had to preclear their voting laws uh, to the Department of Justice because we trust you. Well, immediately after that vote came, that decision, the next day states started enacting restrictive measures and policies and procedures to stop mostly that would impact mostly uh, poor and also African-American people of color. Um, so with this, <laughs> we saw the Democrats fight tooth and nail against us here, especially here in the Commonwealth and under those two administrations, especially Governor Northam, opening up access early ballot or early voting for 45 days before the election extending the voting polls to vote till eight o'clock because people work and couldn't get off work. You know, of course, a lot of people work jobs that get off at five. If you're driven here in Hampton Roads, there's something, a little something called traffic, the bridge, tunnel bridge. I mean, it's just, it was crazy to get to where you need to vote. So giving people the opportunity to vote till eight o'clock and also no question absentee voting. Love it. My wife and I, we vote absentee all the time. It is a great opportunity and also gives us opportunity to participate in the democratic process and volunteer uh, when given the opportunity on election day. So for now, the Republicans to say it's time for us to take advantage of these policies that we fought tooth and nail against in order to get our uh, protect our razor thin margin, I think is uh, very interesting. Again, just a bit taken aback on that particular article. But again, as I said, voting is good. 
whoever you vote for, whoever you cash your vote for, whoever you campaign for, wherever you go vote, the more you vote, the better it is for our democracy. But again, if you're going to fight against a policy and then use a policy that you fought tooth and nail against, uh, it is, uh, yes, so it does, it, it raises a lot more eyebrows than it does cheers. But with this, it also noted the three issues that they're going to focus on, education, the economy, and crime. Now, of course, here in the Commonwealth and across the country, we know that education has become a flashpoint for voting and campaigns. During the pandemic, well, pre-pandemic, I don't think you can get five people in a school board meeting other than the people that had to be there, but or individuals getting recognized by a school board. And that's any local school board. Post-pandemic, or during the pandemic, actually, it became a flashpoint, standing room only in school board meetings, going because of messages that are that were created to go against the teaching of of slavery and history and under critical race theory that was purported, of course, uh, in our classrooms, things that have been taught for years. Parents were then told to be fearful and to participate in this process and to uh, go after your school board and these liberal policies and so forth. So, and then of course, Governor Youngkin, uh, part of his campaign strategy was with parents, saying that parents have a voice, need a voice in the classroom to protect their children. Now, as a former office holder of PTA, as a former homeroom dad, as a former participant in the schools, you know, I believe that parents should be involved. It's one of the greatest, it's one of the greatest joys that I've had in my life, my pleasure life here, you know, being, of course, as God is the head of my life, my Savior, being married to my beautiful wife, having our children, but being active in their lives, being a father. Being a father is one of the greatest joys. So yes, it's good. But I, you know, even me, I believe that my, my son's teacher knows a little bit more, a lot more about that subject, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way up to whatever grade than I do. So there may be things you may not agree with, processes and so forth, but we have to support my disposition was we have to support our teachers, support them for better pay, support them to make sure that we give them a good product. Our students are respectful in class and, and respect the teacher, the authority, and their students and are growing, you know, their adolescents, their children, so that they can give us back a better product. That's our responsibility, not to go into these school board meetings and classes and, and go against these um, these policies, these teachers. So, you know, that's, but that's what's here. That's what we currently have that's happening in the Commonwealth. So what are you going to do? Are you going to now say, okay, it's okay for these things uh, to take place, or are you going to get out and vote and say, listen, I don't like what's happening in our Commonwealth, or I like what's happening in our Commonwealth, so therefore in education, the economy, and with crime, I'm going to go out and vote for this candidate. Your vote this November lets everybody know where you stand. So make sure you cast your vote. Speaking of schools, Virginia once again made national headlines 
where our governor released a policy, of course, under the Department of Education um, for transgender students. What's called, according to Fox News, the Virginia Department of Education on Tuesday released its final model policies for public schools across the state on the treatment of transgender students regarding bathrooms, athletics, and the use of program pronouns in the classroom. Changes, Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin says, increase the rights of parents when it comes to their children's upbringing. According to Fox News, Youngkin has argued that the 16-page model policies on, quote, ensuring privacy, dignity, and respect for all students and parents in Virginia's public schools, unquote. It was released by its administration this Tuesday last week. They're intended to prohibit discrimination while also empowering parents. Fox News also goes on to report that encouraging partnership, the document explicitly states, while public schools, teachers, counselors, and administrators also play an essential role, it is parents who are a children's primary and most important educator, unquote. Regarding schools, restrooms, the updated guidance says single-user bathrooms and facilities should be made available in accessible areas and provided with appropriate signage, indicating accessibility for all students. And it goes on to say that to ensure all students have access to a learning environment in which they feel comfortable and safe, where state or federal law requires schools to permit transgender students to share, otherwise same segregation. I'm sorry, sex segregated facilities such as bathrooms or locker rooms with students of the opposite sex, parents should be given the right to opt their child out of using such facilities and children should be given access to alternative facilities that promote the child's privacy and safety, it says. Quote, eligible students should be given the same right to Opt out now. Of course, according to Fox News, uh, this the issue reached a fever pitch in Virginia in June of 2021. Some of you may remember when the father of a girl who was raped in a high school restroom by a so-called boy in a skirt—that's quote unquote—that's what's used in the article in Loudoun County was dragged out of a school board meeting and arrested. It was revealed that the same gender transgender student had been accused of sexually assaulting at least two other girls elsewhere in the district before being transferred, sparking cries of a cover-up by the school board. Uh, Yunkin was elected governor in November 2021 after campaigning heavily in favor of parents' rights. Now, of course, uh, the opposite to this, or the rebuttal to this, according to uh, The Advocate, which is a publication, it states that Glenn Yakin goes after transgender kids and revised school policies. It says uh, this pilot revised policies uh, unveiled by the Virginia Department of Education uh, provided first update states that Republican Governor Glenn Yakin's so-called model policies severely limit the rights that transgender students had previously enjoyed under Yakin's predecessor, Democratic Governor Ralph Northam. So with this, it also, I just want to find the article, it also shows as the governor, as governor, he's uh, reversed progressive policies, according to the advocate passed by the state's two previous governors, both who are Democratic 
And since the election, the conservative movement overall, according to this uh, article, um, has embraced restricting books, topics of discussion, and LGBTQ students' rights as a rallying cry in the name of parents' rights. So when we talk about parents being involved, when we talk about our entrusting our school boards, our, our, our teachers to do the right thing, to teach our children <clears throat> the education, to be good citizens, it, it involves being able to respect everybody's rights. According to these policies, that's what the governor believes he was doing. But also, but according to the detractors of this, the the proponent, the those who are against this, says he's actually not respecting rights, but in actually he is denying the rights of many students. One great thing about our public schools is that we have the ability to give input. So if your children's in public school, even if you are a part of this the system, make your voice heard. But at the end of the day, it's America. We're all not the same. We've got to respect each other, respect each other's rights, and respect what each other believe. And at the end of the day, do no harm. Well, that's what's been happening here in the Commonwealth just this week. But join us every Sunday at 10 o'clock because more is taking place in this great Commonwealth, the Commonwealth that we all love and support. Once again, I'm Dr. Eric Laville. It's Stay the Water. As always, be great. Do good and God bless. We'll see you next week.